back to another episode of the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, coming at you with another episode in the year of polygamy series, where we spend the entire year covering the practice of plural marriage and how it affected the saints and how it was practiced historically and anecdotally throughout Mormonism. Today, we are covering the life of Rhoda Richards. Now, if you know anything about the last name, you can kind of tell who the elite are in church history. The Richards family was a prominent one amongst the saints. And we have a treasure trove of information about Rhoda and her life, thanks in part to the wonderful collection from Tom Perry Special Collections at the Harold B. Lee Library, including letters and correspondence, pictures, documents, and more. If you're ever in Utah, in uh, Utah County, head down to the Harold B. Lee Library library and check out some of these amazing resources that you can view. So let's talk about Rhoda Richards. She was born on August 8th, 1784 in Massachusetts. Her mother, Rhoda Howe, was a sister to Brigham Young's mother, Abigail Howe Young, making Rhoda Richards and Brigham Young cousins. So think about that. Whenever we talk about Rhoda Richards, remember she is Brigham Young's cousin. Now, although Rhoda was one of 11 children in the family, You probably remember her brother, Apostle Willard Richards, the most. He's the most famous of the Willard Richards group. He is also cousins to Brigham Young. Because Rhoda was one of the older children, she was generally responsible for helping her out around the house and helping instruct the younger kids. She remembers... The day that I was 13 years old, I wove 13 yards of cloth, and in 20 months, during which time I celebrated my 80th birthday... I carded 20 weight of cotton, spun 215 balls of candle wicking, and 200 run of yarn, prepared for the weaver's loom, besides doing my housework, knitting socks, and making shirts for my boys, some of the sons of my brothers. I merely make mention of these things as samples of what my life work has been. I never was an idler, but have have tried to be useful in my humble way, doing what my hands found to do with my might. Rhoda's niece, Lula Richards Green, remembers Rhoda, quote, When grown, she was a little below medium height, possessed a small, trim figure, and a face usually expressive of innocent fun and merriment. Her eyes were dark and brilliant. She was a girl and a woman of a rare beauty, end quote. Rhoda began her autobiography at age 17 and gives us her own perspective of her early years. She would say, quote, During the early years of my life, I was much afflicted with sickness, but through the mercies and blessings of my Heavenly Father, at the advanced age of nearly 93, I live and am privileged to bear my individual testimony that for myself I know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of the living God, and that the work which he, as an humble instrument in the hands of God, commenced in this, the evening of time, will not be cut short save as the Lord himself, according to his promise, shall cut short his work in righteousness. In her 20s, Rhoda fell in love and became engaged to a man named Ebenezer Damon. He was a widower who had a small daughter, and it was said that Rhoda became very fond of the three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Susan. Lula Green also says, quote, Ebenezer Damon was a man of sterling worth and integrity whom Aunt Rhoda loved as such a woman loves but once in a lifetime, 
end quote. Unfortunately for Rhoda, her romance would be short-lived. In December of 1813, Ebenezer became very ill and was sick for several weeks. Rhoda and her mother worked for several days and weeks to attend to him. She was constantly at his bedside, but she witnessed slow signs of improvement, and then it would, his health would take the turn for the worse again. Rhoda wrote about this time, quote, As he was so comfortable the evening before, we thought he would soon be up with us. But it was more sudden and dreadful. My fond hopes were then blasted. For what, God only knows. To her heartbreak, her beloved fiancé passed away before her eyes. On New Year's Day, Rhoda wrote in her diary, Mr. Damon's remains were deposited near the meeting house. Farewell to all joys. My comforts are fled. The friend of my choice is now numbered with the dead. It is said that Rhoda was devastated. Her heart was broken. He would be one of the greatest loves of her life. Rhoda describes her conversion to the church. She says, My first knowledge of the Mormons was gained through my cousin, Joseph Young, though I had previously heard many strange things concerning them. I lay on a bed of sickness, unable to sit up, when cousin Joseph came to visit at my father's house. I remember distinctly how cautiously my mother broached the subject of the new religion to him. Said she, Joseph, I have heard that some of the children of my sister, Abigail Young, have joined the Mormons. How is it? Joseph replied, It is true, Aunt Richards, and I am one of them. It was Sabbath day, and in the morning, Cousin Joseph attended church with my parents, but in the afternoon he chose to remain with my brother, William, and myself at home. He remarked that he could not enjoy the meeting, and in reply I said, I do not see why we might not have a meeting here. My cousin was upon his feet in an instant and stood up and preached to us, my brother and myself, for about half an hour, finishing his discourse with, There, Cousin Rhoda, I don't know, but I have tired you out. When he sat down, I remarked that meetings usually closed with prayer. In an instant, he was on his knees, offering up a prayer. That was the first Mormon sermon and the first Mormon prayer I ever listened to. I weighed his words and sentences well. It was enough. My soul was convinced of the truth. But I waited a year before being baptized. During that time, I read the books of the church and also saw and heard other elders, among whom was my cousin, Brigham Young, and my brothers, Phineas, Levi, and Willard, all of which served to strengthen my faith and brighten my understanding. A short time after I was baptized and confirmed, I was greatly afflicted with the raging of a cancer about to break out in my face. I knew too well the symptoms, having had one removed previously. The agony of such an operation only those who have passed through like an experience can ever imagine. The idea of again passing through like a physical suffering seemed almost more than humanity could endure. One Sabbath, after the close of the morning service, I spoke to the presiding elder and acquainted him with my situation, requesting that I might be administered to, according to the pattern that God had given, that the cancer might be rebuked and my body healed. The elder called upon the sisters present to unite their faith and prayers in my behalf, and upon the brethren to come forward and lay their hands upon me, and bless me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to my desire." It was done, and I went home completely healed and rejoicing in the God of my salvation. Many times have I since been healed by the same power, when apparently death had actually seized me as his prey. I would not have understood it, however, that I have been a weakly, sickly, useless individual all of my life. Those who have known me can say quite to the contrary. Some of our ambitious little girls and working women would doubtless be interested in a simple sketch of some few things which I have accomplished by manual labor. In the fall of 1842, Rhoda moved to Nauvoo and soon met up with Joseph Smith. 
Rhoda had pledged her love and life to the memory of her dead love and now was single at age 58. So she said she was never going to get married. She was going to stay true to him. Very romantic idea about that. Um, So now she's 58. Her brother, Apostle Willard Richards, was by now a close associate of Prophet Joseph Smith and perhaps introduced Rhoda to Joseph. In the spring of 1843, Rhoda made her home in the Prophet's store. The following month on June 12th, Rhoda married Joseph Smith. Her brother, Willard, performed the marriage. Here's what Rhoda says about it. In my young days, I buried my first and only love, and true to that efficience, I have passed companionless through life. But I'm sure of having my proper place and standing in the resurrection, having been sealed to the prophet Joseph, according to the celestial law, by his own request, under the inspiration of divine revelation. She lived with her brother Levi four blocks north of the temple in Nauvoo, and it appears from her journals and correspondences that she had very little personal relations with the prophet Joseph Smith. And if you want to go ahead and look at the text site, you can see some of these pictures of these homes I'm talking about. On June 24th, Joseph and Hiram, along with Rhoda's brother Willard, were imprisoned in the famous Carthage jail where Joseph and Hiram would die. Rhoda was one of the saints able to view the bodies of the murdered men. She wrote, quote, Walked to Brother W.D. this morn, and most awful and solemn scene is before us. The two martyrs, thousands upon thousands, come to take their last leave. I then returned home. Now, one of the things I also have on the site, the text site, is a letter from Willard Richards and John Taylor sent from Carthage Jail reporting Joseph and Hiram had been killed three hours after the martyrdom. I had the amazing opportunity, along with FMH Lisa and Artemis, to actually hold this document in my hands when we got a special viewing of LDS Church History documents. It's a very, very powerful, powerful, uh, emotional letter. So I put a copy of that online for you to see. And then... I also have pictures of me looking at the stuff to prove that I did it. It was it was a great day for me. Like many of Joseph's widows, Rhoda married her cousin, Brigham Young, in early 1845. She became his 22nd wife. And again, this is in 1845. He now has 22 wives. Again, this relationship did not seem to be an intimate one. Rhoda immigrated to Utah, and the trip across the plains was difficult for her because of her health ailments. She records went to bed sick enough, was never out of my wagon but three times for the rest of the journey. Once the axle tree broke, once to repack the wagon, once I think to try my strength, got out and back almost alone. The rest was an another attack of the dumb og. I had two spells of being very sick. The last was mountain fever, dumb og, seasoned high with cramp. I was sick enough to die many a time, but I could not. I was bound for the valley." Weeks, I rolled in my bed, dressed only in my loose gown, night and day. Levi was hardly known to cry, was always happy in reading and talking about Pa and Ma. Her party would finally reach the valley on October 20th, and she spent the first weeks in Salt Lake City living in her wagon, which must have been miserable. She eventually moved into her brother Willard's home near the Temple Block. On January 1st, 1879... It would be the 65th anniversary of her dear Ebenezer Damon's passing. Rhoda, still true to him, remembers. It was the first happy new year. She had known for 66 years. She she said the snow looked exactly as it did the day Mr. Damon was buried. Like other women in the early church, Rhoda had often participated in blessings and healings. 
again, this is not a practice that we do today, but women, it was very common for women at the time to get together and bless one another and heal one another. It was a very bonding part of their sisterhood. And they, it was a very, uh, something that kept them very active in their spirituality. Although she was not associated closely with her plural husbands, her status as their wife, along with her famous brothers, would give Rhoda a very elite place amongst the circles of LDS women. And so we can't forget, I mean, sometimes we we talk about our own wards being cliquish, or um, we talk about these hierarchies of power. They have always existed. This is how it's been organized. And the elite women really had usually had more access to resources and social status than, than, say, your just typical immigrant woman. As she grew older, and in spite of bouts of poor health, Rhoda continued to work vigorously. Lula Green after again records, quote, Even after she was very old, over 90, Aunt Rhoda insisted upon washing her own clothes. When too feeble to leave her bed sometimes, she would have a large pan of hot suds brought and placed where she could reach it. Then she would soap, soak, and wash it with her own hands, always declaring that it did her good. And frequently, she would tell a story of her young life appropriate for all occasions. End quote. Before her death, Rhoda reflected on her life, she said. I now begin to feel the weight of years upon me and can no longer do as I have done in former years for those around me. But through the boundless mercies of God, I am still able to wash and iron my own clothes, do up my lace caps, and write my own letters. My memory is good, and as a general thing, I feel well in body and mind. I have witnessed the death of many near and dear friends, both old and young. In my young days, I buried my first and only love, and true to that affiance, I have passed companionless through life. But am sure of having my proper place and standing in the resurrection, having been sealed to the prophet Joseph according to the celestial law, by his own request, under the inspiration of divine revelation. Lula tended to Rhoda when she caught a cold at age 94. The sickness was too much for her old body, and she passed away. The Desert Evening News reported, quote, died. In this city, January 17, 1879, at the residence of her nephew, Levi W. Richards, Aunt Rhoda Richards, aged 94, five months and nine days. Funeral services at the 20th Ward Schoolhouse on Tuesday the 21st at 12 o'clock. Relatives and friends are respectfully invited to attend, end quote. So if you want to go out to check uh, the Harold B. Lee Library and see some of these rich documents, I would definitely uh, recommend you doing that, especially if you're getting into this series. It would be really fun for you to actually schedule a trip and look at some of these documents yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I'd encourage you to study more by the books of historians that have actually combed over all of these first-hand sources and go see some of them yourself. You can go down to the Church History Library and request um, a viewing of some microfilm or some documents if they're open to the public. And I believe if you go online to the Church History Library, you can Search for certain records, and they will tell you which ones are viewable and open, both online or at the Church History Library. So I'd, I'd recommend that. Again, thank you for listening to this series, and thank you for Gerilyn Poole for doing our reading today for Rhoda and bringing her voice to life. And we'll appreciate your comments at feministmorninghousewivespodcast.org. 